Welcome to the Lean Blog Podcast. Visit our website at www.leanblog.org. Now, here's your host, Mark Graben. Hi, this is Mark Graben. Welcome to episode 314 of the podcast. It's August 15th, 2018. Today, I have two guests joining me. They are Skip Stewart, the Chief Improvement Officer at Baptist Memorial Healthcare in Tennessee, and Brandon Brown, the owner and master kata coach at his firm, Continuous Coaching Commitment, LLC. In this episode, we discuss their use of methods such as training within industry and Toyota Kata in the important work of healthcare improvement. Skip and Brandon both have backgrounds in manufacturing, but they've been able to translate lean skills and mindsets into healthcare. We'll also talk about their dynamic as consultant and client and how the roles of coach and learner are often very situational and how we can be both at different times. So if you'd like to get links uh, to more information, videos, uh, I've linked to the Baptist Management System channel on YouTube in the blog post for this episode. Uh, if you want to find their LinkedIn profiles and more, you can go to leanblog.org slash 314. Thanks for listening. Well, Skip, hi. Thank you for being a guest on the podcast today. How are you? Doing great, Mark. Thank you for having me. And Brandon, thanks also for being here. How are you? I'm doing great, Mark. Thanks for asking us to be on and being able to talk about some of the things we've been doing at, at Baptist. So I appreciate that. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing um, about this journey and what you've done. Um, the both of you share a lot of great stuff on, on LinkedIn and, and YouTube, and, and we'll make sure people know how to find you online and, and find some of those other stories and examples. But, you know, I start off with introductions and, and hear a little bit about your backgrounds and, and how you got to um, the different roles that you have here working to improve healthcare. So Skip, if you can start first, I'd be curious to hear, you know, about a little, you know, your career path and background with lean or however you would frame different improvement methodologies. Sure. Uh, so my, my career started about 26 years ago. The predominant majority of it was in manufacturing. Uh, the majority uh, of that time was with one company, Emerson Electric, uh, a subsidiary of theirs uh, known as Copeland, which otherwise eventually became known as Scroll Technologies. Uh, that's where I spent the majority of my career. And um, actually, I was introduced to, uh, well, let me start off by saying my, my career got uh, heavily influenced by the work of Dr. W. Edwards Deming. Uh, when I started my career off, a mentor was a friend of ours, Mark, uh, Dr. Don Wheeler out of Knoxville. And uh, and so they were heavy, heavy influencers, and, and uh, actually my wife even teases me that uh, one of the most important things in our house is, is that book that Dr. Deming signed to me back in uh, 92, and it's up on my bookshelf. Uh, and so he influenced the way I think, and so did Dr. Uh, Wheeler. And actually, I've been giving out Dr. Wheeler's book, uh, Understanding Variation, the Key to Managing Chaos, for years, and so I'm so excited that Mark, that you're going to be uh, bringing Measures of Success, your new book. I think it's going to be a huge contribution to healthcare. So I started off in that area, um, went in from, started off in the quality engineering, uh, industrial engineering side of it, ultimately got into operations, uh, uh, running operations. That's what I enjoyed. And I uh, was introduced to Lean, uh, probably a way that many folks was with the book Lean Thinking. 
and Dan Jones and uh, Jim Womack and um, even went through an Emerson six-week uh, Lean Champion certification. So that was my initial introduction uh, into Lean. And back in uh, 2008, I left Emerson and went into the private equity world. And by that way, I got introduced to healthcare, working with some of the nation's largest uh, healthcare organizations. And uh, then I left that world and came to Baptist uh, starting in the summer of 2013 uh, when they first created uh, my position. And that's when we started putting together what we call the Baptist management system. We don't necessarily use the word lean. Not that there's anything wrong with that word. We just mm-hmm. refer to it as the Baptist management system. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, I say this half seriously. There are some things wrong with the word um, lean. Um, you know, it, it, it can be have an off-putting word, and, you know, uh, that, that's probably a discussion for a different day. But, um, well, thank you for mentioning, you know, my, my book and, you know, Don Wheeler. Uh, I've given away and, you know, lots of copies of his book over the years. Um, I, I'm curious, you know, to hear your thoughts um, before we move things over to Brandon, um, how, I mean, how would you, how would you describe if somebody were to ask, uh, boy, how, what's the connection between Deming and Lean? Why is why is Deming? Why should Deming be relevant today? How would you answer that? You know, I think that Deming uh, taught a a meta routine, a way of thinking um, that is prevalent today as it as it ever has been. You know, uh, many folks uh, uh, give Dr. Deming the credit from taking his uh, mentor, Dr. Schuhart's PDCA, Plan Do Check Act, and and translating it into Plan Do Study Act or Plan Do Study Adjust. But his line of thinking, just even if you do nothing short of going through the 14 points, that thinking is just as uh, as consistent as it is today. And we even see some of his thinking all through the the Shingo principles. As a Shingo examiner, when I think of things like think systemically and have a constancy of purpose. Well, I first learned those principles and concepts through Dr. Deming when I was introduced to him around 26 years ago. So um, I actually think that it would serve us well for a lot of folks to go back and to read some of Dr. Deming's original works, whether that be out of the crisis or whatever it may be. But, uh, you know, he's a brilliant man. He's up there with Dr. Russell Acoff and some of the great thinkers that we've had. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I, I, I would second that recommendation to go read uh, books by Deming, books about Deming. Um, I, I think that's a really, I think sometimes that's, that's a missing foundation for folks. Maybe we can come back and touch on that later. But um, Brandon, can you um, tell us a little bit about your career path and, and your um, introductions to or you know, perspectives on lean and various approaches like that? Sure, sure, Mark. Um, about the same time frame that Skip was talking about, 25 years ago, um, took my first job. Uh, I'm a mechanical engineer and industrial engineer by by degree, so I went in to work for Lincoln Automotive, not the, the Ford company, but they're a Pentair <laughs> company, uh, designing uh, automotive service equipment, um, grease guns, um, jack stands, hydraulic jacks, things like that, and was really a design engineer launching products into uh, – new products into production, into, into manufacturing, working with cross-functional teams to, uh, to manage those projects. 
Um, shortly after that, I got an opportunity to take a little bit deeper role into manufacturing as an engineering manager for Waterloo Industries. Um, they produce Sears Craftsman toolboxes and uh, cabinets and, and, and about 95% of what uh, Sears sells. And um, then at that point, we were really moving uh, about that time. Skip was talking about uh, lean thinking, the machine that changed the world, all those books, value stream mapping by uh, uh, Rother and Shook came out. And, and we were moving into that reduction of inventory, lowering the water, you know, exposing the rocks and uh, started working on the traditional way that most people were taught um, by most consulting groups or firms that, that, that were doing it at that time, the late nineties um, through the Kaizen event, the, the event based three day, four day, five day um, event based. I led several dozen of those and, and taught other engineers how to lead them and um, just had some, I think traditional uh, uh, falling back due to entropy, falling back to the way we were doing things, difficulty sustaining and completing action item lists. Um, and I moved then on to um, had an opportunity to be a plant manager and open up a couple of plants in the southeast for central states manufacturing in northwest Arkansas. And uh, we moved to Alabama, started a plant there, started one in North Carolina, and uh, got my first, um, I guess, uh, exposure to managing multiple plants. Um, and then had an opportunity to uh, come back to Arkansas and do some uh, state-supported MEP work uh, with uh, mm-hmm. various other manufacturers and enjoyed that and enjoyed getting to have the variety of, of multiple plants and, and different different problems and different settings and, and, and everything was unique and, and I really enjoyed doing that. So um, then I got went to a, a three-day W3 group sponsored um uh, workshop with Mike Rother. Mike came to speak and talk about Toyota Kata. And, and as he started talking about, uh, as he refers to it sometimes as five days in a pizza party, uh, the traditional Kaizen way is not a good way of deploying or, or implementing the entire lean system per se uh, in many cases. And it's the thinking patterns. It's the, the, the point Kaizens, the rapid uh, PDSAs that are really what you, sustains and, and keeps you striving toward a bigger challenge. And as he began to talk and began to tell that story, I was like, this guy's followed me around for the last <laughs> three or four years. Uh, and a lot of the others in the room that I spoke to, uh, it really inspired us to say, Hey, he's, he's got a point here, you know, going through action item lists and trying to project manage this, this lean movement. It, it it's not sustaining itself. And, uh, so did some work with W3 Group for a while, and, and then now we uh, form our own company, Continuous Coaching Commitment, and we do a full-service um, continuous improvement. Uh, we're not consultants. We call ourselves coaches because we coach for leadership and guidance and developing people through scientific thinking about problem solving so they can develop their own tools uh, or, or use modifications of those traditional existing Lean Six Sigma tools to not just copy Toyota, uh, but to solve their own unique problems and um, manage by, you know, asking questions in the coaching and learner format. Mm-hmm. Uh, we service manufacturing and healthcare, financial institutions, a whole variety of, of, of industries uh, currently. And yeah, I'd like to talk a little bit, you know, about some of the, the relationship between the, the two of you, uh, you know, how to work with a consultant and, and working with clients. Um, maybe we can, delve into that um, a little bit, but, you know, kind of one, one comment on what you were saying, Brandon. I mean, I, I think, you know, it's interesting that there at some points, um, 
develop some quote unquote traditional ways of um, going about lean, whether people use the word deploying or implementing or practicing. Um, you know, and then lean, lean in a lot of ways is supposed to be about challenging the way things have always been done, right? Right, right, exactly. Um, but um, Skip, or maybe it's a question for the both of you, since you know you have experience in manufacturing uh, originally, as as I do, and I know you've run across these questions. So I'll just I'll, I'll I'll hit you with them. I'll start with Skip on the one version. So when someone says, "All right, but Skip, patients aren't cars," <laughs> how would you? What's your yeah. general response to that? Objection? You know, I, I've actually had that uh, before. Uh, <laughs> yes, you have. Yeah. <laughs> And my first response is that that tends to come from a, uh, a level of frustration from someone. Mm-hmm. And so uh, my first response typically is you're right. They're not. Mm-hmm. And just to kind of let that rest for a second and then try to uh, engage them in a dialogue about their real work, you know? Uh, and so my first six months when I joined Baptist, I intentionally uh, went all throughout our system, doing nothing but what I called a listening tour, mm-hmm. and uh, trying to understand the frustrations and where people really were were in their work, whether that be a physician or whether that be nurses or or other uh, medical professionals or administrators, and uh, and just have a conversation, and that seemed to serve me a lot better than arguing and trying to convince them, um, you know, I was just trying to meet them wherever they were. So my first response, yeah. when someone says, you know, uh, we don't make cars here. You're right. We don't is my response. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I, I certainly don't doubt, or I don't, um, I mean, it's understandable why people would ask that question that could come out of uh, frustration because they're being told to do things without being engaged. Not that I'm accusing you of that, or, you know, it just may come out of a, a curiosity or a cynicism, or um, I think your point's a good one about having that conversation and finding out their perspective. Um, you know, Brandon, kind of the, the corollary question, maybe I'll just throw at you or the objection, you know, Brandon, but a hospital's not a factory. Yeah, exactly. And I will say uh, it's not. And, um, but I'll start to talk to them about, as Skip said, meet them in their world. And I'll ask questions like, well, well tell me about your hospital. Do you have uh, different processes that, that take the patient step by step through, you know, assessing the patient, the, the doctor getting tests, um, then getting that information back to make a diagnosis, executing the plan of care, flowing the patient through uh, this this large building we're in right now, and they'll immediately say, well, yes, and they'll start, like, well, tell me about some of the goals that you have that have been set for, for this process or, or that process, and they'll start to usually talk about time-related goals or um, quality of care-related goals, and uh, I'll just try and talk to them about that and, and say, well, I know that manufacturing and healthcare aren't the same, but those same things you're telling me go on under a manufacturing roof. It's you just told me it's going on under here. So maybe some of these tools or some of these thinking patterns and processes that we're, we're trying to, uh, to coach people with, maybe they might be applicable to um, helping you meet your goals and helping you reach the challenges that you faced uh, in providing the best care and at the lowest cost. And, and those are the same type of things that manufacturers are under. It's just not a person. 
Yeah, and I, I love the way you know both of you frame that of you know problems that uh, need to be solved, opportunities, uh, and 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 developing something of of your own uh, instead of as 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 you said, Brandon, you know, not just copying um, Toyota. So, Skip, let me bring it back to you a little bit. I'd be curious to hear some of the the, the origin story, if you will, of of Lean or the Baptist management system. Did that start with your chief improvement officer role being created or were you brought in um, to, to help lead an existing movement? Well, how, how can you talk about what was happening in 2013? Sure. So my boss, which I think you've had the opportunity to meet, Dr. Paul DePriest, uh, he came out of the University of Kentucky's healthcare system and, and was heavily influenced uh, by a little factory near him called uh, Toyota, Georgetown, Kentucky. And, uh, and he met several people there and even put himself through a uh, lean certification program that was, I think, put on both by Toyota and the University of Kentucky College of Engineering. And um, so he had the vision for this. He went to the board and created this position. Uh, we spent six months getting to know each other, and, and he asked, you know, would I be interested in stepping out of an operations role and coming in to Baptist and introducing this into healthcare and creating the Baptist management system. So that was the, the original uh, origin of that. Uh, but then uh, to get it started, uh, like I said, I spent the first six months really spending time throughout our system uh, trying to meet people and trying to understand. And what became very, very clear to me in the first six months was how important the interpersonal skills were and that um, uh, the culture of healthcare, the culture of Baptist, uh, and, and just trying to really listen. Uh, there's a phrase uh, that comes uh, from the Bible, my faith, it says, in James, it says, be quick to listen and slow to speak. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to just listen. And uh, so as we first started introducing the Baptist management system, I started off still not knowing if, if folks would embrace this work or not. And I started off with uh, putting together a little workshop around managing to learn, uh, John Shook's book. And I took the improvement kata model and I baptized it. And Mike Rother always likes to tease me that he's never had anything baptized before. <laughs> and, uh, and so I, I made that model look very Baptist. So on that model, instead of having just a uh, irrelevant symbol to the far right that represents the vision, I used our logo with the word vision inside. And then I basically worked with our graphic artist to, uh, to uh, make it look Baptist. And I started introducing the language of current condition, countermeasures, target condition, PDSA. And what I found was that people were very much willing to embrace that language. And uh, that experiment from that perspective went really well. What didn't go well was even though I had communicated uh, quite consistently at first that if we're going to do this A3 thing the correct way, we need to have a learner and a coach. 
Not everyone heard that. I think uh, what happened was a lot of people took the form and somehow unconsciously thought if they fill out the form, magic would occur, you know. And, uh, and so they adopted the language. That was good. But I could see that the whole learner coach uh, was not going well. So uh, I knew I was going to do it eventually anyway. So we introduced uh, Toyota Kata in uh, one of our hospitals. And uh, really, it caught on like wildfire. We, uh, we kind of started with our Northeast Arkansas Hospital that happened to also uh, three weeks ago have the, uh, a Shingo site visit. And we used it as a model uh, site uh, like John Toussaint talks about. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we, that's, that's an area where we really started Kata and TWI and strategic deployment and things of that nature. And uh, it, it caught on like, like a grass fire, just very much so out of that model hospital throughout our system. Um, let me kind of pause there and see if I'm answering your question. Yeah. Yeah. No, well, I was just going to ask a follow-up question. I mean, why, why do you think, what were some of the factors that led to it catching on that way? Well, uh, I think one reason was the, the, uh, the Toyota Kata that gave them something they could jump in and do. And we, we laid out the roles of learner and coach and second coach. They also started, uh, in certain areas, uh, both clinical and non-clinical in the ED and in billing department and the call center, they started seeing um, some success to where if they changed the way that they were playing the game, um, that they would get different results. And they, and they saw this experimentation mindset and these habits and routines that we were trying to introduce uh, really start producing a lot of results. And like many companies, uh, healthcare in our system is no different. Uh, they, they tend to be pretty competitive with each other. And so as other administrators uh, and throughout the system started hearing about the executives talk about the great success that was coming out of these experiments at NEA, my phone started ringing off the hook. <laughs> and uh, that's when um, I started bringing Brandon in and, uh, and it just kept on and kept on. Uh, so that would be a big factor is them hearing about how, how other counterparts of theirs, other nurses, other administrators were all um, um, having success and they wanted to, they wanted to play also. Yeah, so maybe that's a good point to uh, bring it back over uh, to Brandon. Can you talk about being brought in um, as a coach for these Toyota Kata efforts or, or other things that you're, that you're helping with? Well, Skip and I had known each other from you know, just just colleagues and professionally for five, four or five, maybe six years um, prior to 2015. Um, it was about that time I was starting to do you know independent work and and um, forming continuous coaching commitment. And I think it was about late 2015. Skip just called me up and said, "Hey, uh, you know, through a mutual colleague, um, uh, wondered if you would come over to one of our hospitals and just take a look at um, our Toyota." deployment or kind of uh, work that we're doing. Um, tell us what you think in relation to what you've seen, um, how you practice, how you learned. And, and it was just a kind of a casual, you know, come over for three days. And, um, you know, I just began to start to 
try and develop those relationships with the different uh, people and understand the healthcare world. First thing I told him was, Skip, I don't know anything about healthcare. And he said, oh, no, it's a process. It's a process. You, you'll do fine. I was a manufacturing guy before as well. And so I just came in with hat in hand and said, I'm going to learn from, from you all as much as hopefully uh, or more than you're going to learn from me. Let's, you know, let's just step through this together. And, you know, I, there were some areas where I could see where we needed to kind of tighten some things up and, and make the storyboard a little bit more cohesive and, and, and quality wise and flow more with the, with the questions. And, and there were some that had just written a challenge and um, we, we started building the board uh, from, from ground up and how the coach and learner and, uh, started interacting. So uh, from that hospital, uh, uh, Skip asked for a few more days there and, and a few more days at NEA and, and a few more days at a, few, a couple of others. And pretty, <laughs> pretty soon um, I was uh, working with several different, different groups. Um, and, but mainly what we taught was mainly the, the style, the format, um, and, the, and the good interpersonal interactions between coach and learner and, and how that um, needed to be developed uh, and the board was just a mechanism for telling the story. And um, so we, we started meshing then uh, Toyota uh, Kata with uh, TWI, the programs that Skip had already uh, had started deploying, job instruction, uh, job relations. And uh, I remember a, a phone call. I was, I, was, I was driving back from one of the hospitals. I was driving home, and, and he called me up after talking uh, about how, how to – roll out TWI at job instruction at one particular facility or one, one entity. And, um, and he said, what do you think about using Kata as the mechanism for us deploying and really challenged my thinking about it uh, a little bit. And, and I said, well, so tell me more. And so we just kind of, uh, Skip likes to say wrestled. We, we wrestled back and forth with each other and I said, well, let's give it a try. So we created a storyboard on how one of the entities was going to um, uh, deploy job instruction in the various areas. And at first it was a little awkward, a little uncomfortable, but that's the, where you're supposed to be as a learner. You know, you're supposed to be in that uncomfortable uh, feeling. And um, after a couple of months, it started to get more, more comfortable, more comfortable. And I don't think I would approach any organization to, uh, to roll out TWI without uh, that kind of thinking and the, and the storyboard and, and the frequency of getting every day, just a little bit, a little more step up, a little more step up and rather than swallowing the whole uh, TWI uh, deployment. So um, we're in nine hospitals, 12 BMG clinics. We've done corporate HR and IT and, and continue just to help and assist and serve, serve Baptist um, as best we can, uh, as best that we can, we, we can um, uh, keep them moving forward and, uh, and, and help them out. Yeah. And, and for listeners who maybe aren't familiar with, um, TWI training within industry, um, there are a couple podcasts. If you go back into the archives, um, episode 196, where I talk with, uh, I guess Jim Hunsinger about TWI and then episode 202, uh, conversation with, uh, Patrick Graup talking about how Virginia Mason, Medical Center and, and some others have uh, applied TWI in healthcare. Um, but, but Brandon, and then uh, maybe curious to hear some of your thoughts on this uh, from a Baptist perspective, Skip. I mean, Brandon, how, how would you describe, you know, for the uninitiated TWI in a nutshell? 
Well, Skip, I think would probably echo these. I've, I, I've got a, a podcast where he has, has said these exact words that uh, TWI and Kata are a marriage made in heaven. Um, the the countermeasures to obstacles and, and eliminating variation and standardizing uh, the way that everybody uh, does uh, anything from um, puts an IV in to uh, follows a certain process for cleaning a dressing uh, or anything like that or a Foley catheter. Um, you know, what we've learned is that nurses are, uh, they, they've learned you know, on the job from different nurses and, and we find some variability there. And so in our kata work, we've, we've integrated or married as a countermeasure, uh, the job instruction, um, for specific jobs and try to eliminate that, that variation. Um, we usually put that as a longer term. We, we sometimes call that a long-term PDSA and then come back to the kata board and, and pick a another obstacle that we could do a rapid uh, PDSA on. Um, as far as job relations, I mean, there's no better um, method that I know of uh, to develop good relation between second coach, coach, and learner uh, than the four-step methods of, of, of job relations. And we've also found uh, I've got a coach that's using job methods. He's went through the job methods course. And, again, I don't know of a better way of understanding your current condition uh, and breaking down a job than using job methods uh, to find out what you can eliminate, what you can improve, what you can reduce, um, and then envisioning what you want in that process uh, for a target condition. Um, so I've got, I've got one coach that if you look at his kata board, uh, his storyboard, that's the first thing you'll see at the top is the JM breakdown on both both sides of the current and target. And then the metrics just flow from there and the obstacles and the experiments. Yeah, well, thanks. Thanks for that um, quick synopsis. And, you know, I, I, I agree. Um, you know, these, these different methods, you know, probably shouldn't be used in isolation that we can kind of combine these into more of a, a system, if you will, a management system. So Skip, maybe I'll bring, bring it back to you and ask, you know, whether it's in the context of TWI or CADA or the Baptist management system in general, um, there was a, a previous podcast where um, the one of you said that, you know, Toyota Kata is a people development process and, you know, people might think of it as a problem solving process and maybe those go hand in hand, but Skip, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on any of that or, you know, why people development is a priority. For sure. Your, sure. Your so to, to build on that a little bit, you know, you, uh, is on our, on our YouTube channel, simply go to Baptist management system and you'll see our logo at Baptist Management System. There's a there's a video on there that we made, and these videos are all really internal that anyone can look at them, but we created them for ourselves. There's one video on there called The Baptist Management System and Kata. And we talk about how things flow from the strategic deployment perspective through the huddle boards to the Kata boards, how TWI plays into that, and that whole process. So that might be beneficial to your listeners, but Kata specifically is a people development process because what we're doing there is we're creating a meta routine. Uh, just like um, we all have meta routines that we don't think about, we just do it. One of the obvious would be most of us drive to work and drive home every day and we have no remembering. Many times we don't even remember the drive. And the reason is because we've created neural pathways in our brain to where it's just automatic. Uh, we don't have to think about it. 
unlike my uh, 16-year-old daughter that I'm trying to teach how to drive right now, uh, she went and passed a driving test. So academically, that's wonderful. She had knowledge. She passed the test. But I put her in a car, and she didn't even know that um, where the brake was or where the gas pedal was or where the blinkers were, and she didn't even know what the purpose for the mirrors were. She had no skill. She had knowledge, but she had no skill. And so with Kata, we're trying to create this meta routine to where we can strive forward. We can experiment our way forward where we're not necessarily looking for magic wands, but we're looking uh, to experiment our way forward to multiple target conditions on our way to a challenge. And what we've seen out of that, Mark, is that we have seen people really get developed in their thinking. And what I didn't expect to happen that happened is it overflowed out of their work into their personal life. And so I've had multiple people come up to me and want to share private stories of either how they lost one person 75 pounds or they cut their blood pressure in half or another person started a business. And they all used it through this meta routine uh, mm-hmm. that we happen to call, um, call Kata that makes up our Baptist management system. And to build a little bit on what Brandon was saying about TWI, uh, we work a lot with Patrick Gropp and the TWI Institute out of Syracuse, New York, with job instructions, job relations, and job methods. And we see them going together inside of that thinking, not as something separate. Um, so, for example, what we've discovered is people that are practicing job relations are a significantly better coach than those that are not. And it starts to make sense when you understand job relations because I could be the greatest engineer on the face of the earth, but if that learner does not have good self-efficacy, if they don't feel psychologically safe, then I'm never going to be able to coach them forward. And job relations helps me with that relationship with that learner. Uh, Job instruction fits natural because what we discover quite often is as we're striving towards the target condition, what happens quite often is that we'll discover that uh, every Tom, Dick, and Harry, they're doing a task completely different. They're all, right. they're all drawing blood different. They're starting an IV different. They're doing a central line dressing change different. You fill in the gap. But they're doing it different. And that variation the kind of variation that you talk about in your new book, uh, Measures of Success, uh, that variation creates errors and mistakes. So it's not a magic wand and it's not the only countermeasure, but job instructions helps us come in and create more than just a standard. It helps us create a standard behavior. Uh, And then job methods also fits inside of that kata approach because we will take a, what I call a loop in a value stream. So it may not be the entire uh, flow of someone through an ED process, Mark, but it might be someone just in the triage. And so we'll take the triage process and we'll dissect it and we'll question. We'll ask, why are we doing this and what's the purpose? Our intentions is we're trying to see if we can eliminate that detail. If we can't eliminate it, we're asking, where should be this be done? When should it, uh, it be done? and um, who should do it. We're trying to see if we can combine or rearrange. And then we're asking how. And um, 
And so by using those three legs of that TWI stool, job instructions, job relations, and job methods, it fits inside that kata, but then that, that kata also helps us drive towards a challenge that's ultimately through our huddle boards, and it's ultimately connected to our, what some would call Hoshin planning, our strategic planning. I've worked with a, uh, for a long, long time in my Emerson days, as well as uh, Baptist days, worked with a friend of both of ours, Mark, a good friend of mine, Pascal Dennis. Yep. And, and he worked with us on how do, how do we make sure all of this is aligned properly. So that's kind of how I think about a lot of it. And in that little video, the Baptist management system in Kata, we attempt to, in 15 minutes, explain how all these dots are connected. Yeah. Well, and, and, and thanks again for mentioning um, the book. And, you know, it's just a comment I would add. You know, think about variation and how the work is done and variation in the results, outcomes, let's say a metric like infection rate. So you might look and discover, you know, and, and, and I wish more hospitals did this. When you go and actually study how the work is being done and, um, you discover variation in method. Well, that might be part of the ongoing um, common cause variation in, in the results. It might lead to the average infection rates being higher. And you know, I think one of the things I try to talk about in, in my book is you know, to be able to understand cause and effect. If somebody says, oh, okay, well, we, uh, we sent an email reminding staff that they need to follow the, the, the SOP. Like, well, you might look a few months later and, well, you might look one month later and say infection rates are lower. Oh, hooray, reminding staff worked when, you know, the methods from Don Wheeler, you know, would help us look and say, well, okay, that number's just fluctuating. And some of these random um, countermeasures or interventions aren't having any effect or certainly aren't having a positive effect as opposed to you going in with, um, um, job methods, job improvement, job, uh, job instruction, job relations, um, you know, and in, in, in putting a better process in place, we, I think we would then see, you know, a signal in the results, a shift down in the infection rates. Um, so I'm curious, you know, I've kind well, of- Well, I, 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 like, I like how you said that, Mark, just to build on that. Uh, mm -hmm. So in healthcare, what I found different than manufacturing is that many of the processes are what, uh, doc, the, is what Dr. Brian Joyner would call management systems. Mm -hmm. And the, so what does that mean? Well, what that means from a, a variation perspective is that most of them are statistically predictable. Yeah. And, and most folks uh, might say, well, that's good, right? Well, it, it's not good or bad. It just means they're predictable. And, right. and so what we'll see, I remember one of the first processes I worked on was a uh, contamination rate with blood cultures. And yeah. I had a physician ask me, would I look at this data and tell me whether he was right or whether the lab was right? Hmm. And I asked, why does he, what about, isn't there a third option? And they said, what do you mean? I said, well, mm -hmm. couldn't, couldn't, it, couldn't it not be an issue of right or wrong? And so I looked at the, de the data and it was about as predictable as you get. Yeah, predict, predictable meaning it's just fluctuating within some range, right? It's fluctuating within those three sigma limits or what we call process behavior limits. And yep. it was, it, I looked at three years worth of data, overwhelmingly predictable. Yep. And, uh, and I said, well, I said, doctor, he was saying, I want, he was trying to prove a point that things were getting worse, 
the lab was trying to prove a point that things were getting better. And I was saying, neither is the case. <laughs> right. The data says that we're not getting better and we're not doing uh, worse. Actually, if the process could talk, it would say, I'm doing the very best that I can do. If you don't like me, then you better fundamentally change me. Yes. And, and that goes back. Change the system. Yeah. Exactly. And so, because all, to your point, Mark, all those processes and procedures that are, how they're playing the game now is producing the variation that you have now. And I remember the physician came back and he threw an arbitrary uh, goal out to me, which that's what goals are, mm -hmm. arbitrary. And he said, well, we need to be at this percentage. And I said, well, okay, but that's the voice of the customer. Right. The process has their own voice, which we call the voice of the process. And those, these are these limits that I'm trying to show you. So you're, you're absolutely right, Mark, in what you're saying. And that's something that's why I'm so excited about your new book, because it allows me specifically to have a conversation and have dialogue um, with folks. Well, 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 thank you. And um, Brandon, you know, as we, we uh, go ahead and wrap up in a couple of minutes and, and I'm going to have to invite uh, the both of you back or individually, or there's so many different things we could talk about, but Brandon, one other question I had for you, um, you may be, you know, building on this idea of TWI and Kata together. Um, one, one, you know, I think, constructive criticism, healthy question people ask sometimes about, you know, continuous improvement, whether we're framing it as, as Kaizen or Toyota Kata or A3 problem solving. You know, I've had people question, well, are we just improving a fundamentally bad process? So I'm curious to hear some of your thoughts on that or, you know, at what point do you try to create stability, a good foundation before improving or how do you, how would you frame any of that? Well, I think any of the methods that you've you've talked about, um, A through problem solving, Demaic, um, any of the Six Sigma tools, Kaizen events, Kaizen blitz, um, value stream mapping, and going down 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 a, a value stream, whether it's a service line or whether it's a, a manufacturing line, all of them are great great methods. Um, but taking a class and transferring knowledge from the teacher's head to my head. And then me going out trying to practice or trying to portray myself as an expert, um, that's that's not a good model. And I think many times uh, people just they think that it's going to occur and happen and, and blossom uh, through that through that practice through that practice, which is very limited. Um, each one of those tools that you mentioned, each one of those methods uh, has to be coached and practiced and whether it's a Kaizen event that you um, practice regularly, you practice the format regularly, or whether it's a, a, an A3 problem solving, A3 without coaching um, is, is, is a tool that many times is ineffectively used. Um, and I don't think you'll see any successful company such as Toyota that would say without a coach, without someone who's been there, who's been that learner, who's experienced that experiment or experienced that attempt at continuous improvement failed and then learned from it and improved upon it a second time or a third time or a fourth time. Um, without that coach that's been through that, um, they're all simply just tools. Um, mm -hmm. that, that, that's what I would have to say about, about any of the continuous improvement uh, tools that are out there. They're all great. Uh, Kata plays well with all of them. Mm -hmm. 
we've mm-hmm. gotten to points where we've gotten obstacles that we look at it and we say, man, this goes deeper than just a rapid small experiment where we're not moving forward and we need to break that off and use another one of our tools. And then we'll get back to the Kata storyboard and continue to do rapid improvements, but it may need a Demaic project done on it, or it may need a Six Sigma project or, or an A3, but even those need to be coached by uh, an experienced person um, to be successful in my opinion. Well, gosh, we, I feel like we have just barely scratched the surface of your um, experiences and, and perspectives. Um, maybe it's just to wrap things up, I, I want to thank again our, our, our two guests, Skip Stewart and Brandon Brown. And I think this is the first time we've had guests who are um, you know, a client and consultant uh, or le- you know, leaders and coaches, both of you uh, at different times and in both directions. So maybe it's just final question real quick. I'll ask each of you, um, Skip, why, why does a good coach need to be a good learner first? I think it's, it's hard uh, to be a good coach if you haven't been a player. And so one of the things we've encouraged and everyone's been willing to buy into is, is we've asked folks to lead with humility and regardless of your titles to start off as a learner. So we've had directors that have 500 people reporting to them, start off as a learner and Brandon's coached a lot of them. And what they've told us inevitably every single time, Mark, is that once we rotate them into a coach's role, they'll always say something to the effect of, well, this coaching is really tough. And when I ask them to explain, they'll say something like, well, I never thought about me being a person that just likes to give orders, but I'm realizing it's easier to give directives than it is to coach. But because I was a learner for a good period of time, it's helped me with that temptation. And so even myself, even though I've done this for a long time, I get coached every week. And by being it makes me, I'm willing to be more vulnerable. And by being willing to be more vulnerable, it helps me be a better coach also. And Brandon, what, what are your thoughts on that question? Very similarly. I, uh, I was told one time um, by a, a mentor that, that said, um, take water skiing, for example. Um, you can read a book on water skiing, <laughs> go to the lake, and you can read your book on water skiing while you're watching people water ski and do all kinds of tricks on water skis. But if you haven't put the skis on, got in the water, and had that rush of water almost drown you as it goes up your nostrils, you don't really have an appreciation for the skill of being able to water ski. And I think in any of these methods, um, as Skip was talking about and referring to, um, if you've not experienced it, you can't just uh, use your title and say, okay, I'm a coach. I can do this. Um, or you can't just do a week or two. Uh, we've got directors of periop, directors of med surge. I mean, I could tell you many stories, but I know of one director, Periop, that uh, he went through the learner, the first coach, the second coach. And then I came back for another site session and he was in the learner role. And I said, hey, why are you back in the learner role? Um, you know, we moved you to the second coach. You're supposed, you know, organizational wise, you're supposed to coach your team now. Um, he said, well, Brandon, I realized that I didn't do and learn from the experiments when I first started, I didn't know enough to do the type of experiments that were either successful or learn from my failures. Uh, so I want to go again. I want to go through all three of them again. Um, we've had a director of med search that do unfortunately due to turnover, 
um, had to move to a first coach and then down to a learner again, probably two or three times over a year's period. Um, and she would teach how to be a learner in the learner position, which is actually kind of being a coach, if you, if you know what I mean, mm-hmm. and then move to the first coach position. And it made more sense to the learner then. We've taken people and had them watch coaching sessions before they ever come to Skip's initial training on it. And they hit the ground running a lot faster because they, they've seen something and then they get a chance in the classroom to do it and then immediately go out and practice it. And those two individuals I talked about are some of the best coaches within Baptist um, that, that we've had because they were, they were humble. They were avid learners. They wanted to learn from the process and they wanted to improve upon the process of practicing uh, kata within Baptist moral health care. Well, as, and again, lots of uh, great uh, insights and perspectives from uh, the both of you. So I want to thank, um, again, Skip Stewart. Thank you for uh, joining us here on the podcast today. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. And Brandon Brown, thank you also for being part of uh, a really good discussion. I appreciate it. Thank you, Mark. I appreciate the opportunity. That's great. Thanks for listening. This has been the Lean Blog Podcast. For lean news and commentary updated daily, visit www.leanblog.org. If you have any questions or comments about this podcast, email mark at leanpodcast at gmail.com.